Aloha, and welcome to season two of the podcast, Throwing Up Rainbows. Good girl, dirty secret. I invite you in to get lost in story. You are welcome here with my dirty little secrets. You're welcome here exactly as you are, and all your brilliant, beautiful, fucked upness. As you shine, and as you crawl towards the light. for you out there, for you who's going through it right now, wanting to recover. I see you, I hear you, I feel with you. I was you, and I know you can make it. I also make this for the parents and loved ones to give you information and insight into our struggle. So if you dig this podcast and get something from it, please share it with all your friends and loved ones. I want everyone who needs this to find it. Be my eyes and ears out there because we are stronger together. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how addiction is addiction is addiction, how they all affect the brain in a similar way, and how there's hope. Let's dive in. Here's the truth. You're walking along in your life and something happens. Bam. Your brain's neurons light up like a Christmas tree, and all you can think about is how you can drink it, eat it, shoot it, smoke it, purge it, click it, starve it, suck it, pop it, buy it, gamble it, expose it, exhaust it, numb it, screw it. (sighs) Addiction is all-consuming, and it doesn't discriminate. One of my teachers once said that anyone can become an addict if you do something enough times. For some, it could be the first time you smoke. For others, it's the 797th time but the end result is the same, an addicted brain and a compulsion to do things that we know are bad for us. And it's true. Despite jobs, relationships, and our lives being in jeopardy, we want to stop, but we feel powerless to stop the repetitive harmful behaviors. This goes hand in hand with the underlying depression and anxiety that can come along with the addiction. There are two types of addictions, substance and behavioral. A substance addiction is where you're addicted to a drug or alcohol. Substance addictions include marijuana, alcohol, meth, heroin, and cocaine. A behavioral addiction is when there's an overwhelming, repetitive, and harmful pattern of behaviors, not from drug or alcohol abuse. Behavioral addictions include addictive patterns with food, gambling, shopping, porn or sex, and even video games. When I was in my addiction, which was an eating disorder, I thought that I had nothing in common with the alcoholic, drug addict, porn addict, pill addict, or any other type of addict. Back then, I would have never said I was an addict because when you hear the word, it conjures a certain image. Think about that word, addict. What do you see? What's the first images your mind throws at you? I used to think of someone on the side of the road in dirty clothes, missing a few teeth, bad skin, eyes glazed over, so high on drugs, probable criminal activity, addict. What do you see? I've learned that a large majority of the addicts are mostly functioning in society. I've known many alcoholics that have jobs they show up for every day, marriages, kids, mortgage payments. 
I've known cocaine addicts that are talented artists. I've known handsome porn addicts who could no longer get erect with real live women, but who can tell by just looking at a pretty face. Addiction doesn't always show up dirty and appear unstable. There are functioning addicts everywhere in society. If you would have met me 10 years ago, there's no way you would have guessed that I might have thrown up seven times that day or that I was leaving work to go to four different stores to gather my binge foods. You would have thought I appeared put together, stable, friendly, and articulate. You probably would have liked me. Years later, and out of my addiction, I now realize that I was an addict. Duh, you might say, but I'm stunned with how much myself and the other drug or alcohol addicts might have had in common. The common denominator is that no matter what addiction you have, it affects the brain in a similar way because all addictions are a dopamine hit. What is dopamine? Dopamine is a natural chemical our bodies create. It's a neurotransmitter, which basically means it helps to transmit messages in the body. Dopamine is known as the reward system of the brain. Let's pretend that dopamine is like a dollar bill. We like getting dollar bills, so we naturally want to do things that give us dollar bills. If we do the dishes and we get a dollar bill, our brain will anticipate and get excited about doing the dishes because we know that we're going to get a dollar bill afterwards. It's our reward. We do dishes. We get a dollar. We like this. As humans, we like being rewarded. So let's say you do something awesome and you get $100. Let's say the most per day you're getting is $300. You're going to feel really good, right? Great. Now let's add addiction to this scenario. Let's say that you smoke, drink, shoot, pop pills, binge, whatever you do. And when you do this, you get an envelope with $1,000 that shows up at your front door. You're going to feel amazing and think this is the best thing ever, right? Why wouldn't you want to do it again? Duh. So you do. And this envelope of $1,000 keeps showing up. But here's the thing. You now realize that you no longer have to go to work every day or do anything around the house because this magical envelope keeps showing up. So you sort of forget how to make money. Your brain says, I don't have to do this anymore because now I have magical money that just appears. I can take a long nap. You've gotten used to this lifestyle. So you're flooded externally with dopamine or the envelope of $1,000, while internally your brain's dollar bill maker takes a siesta. Let's fast forward this tape to when we hate our addiction. We've lost many things, including loved ones, our freedom, possibly our homes, and then we decide this isn't going so well for us. So we finally want to get healthy. So we stop doing the external thing, the drug or alcohol or whatever. And we wake up and we open the front door and there's no thousand dollars in an envelope. This feels bad. We were used to getting it every day and now we don't have any dollar bills. So we say, uh, okay, maybe I'll do the dishes again. But the brain has been on siesta and so it's not making dollar bills right now because it didn't have to for a long time. It's the old axiom. If you don't use it, you lose it. So your brain's forgotten how to work the dollar bill making machine. This is why when you begin to recover, it's not fun because you are actually legitimately sad or depressed. You used to have a thousand dollars magically show up and now you don't. And that sucks. This is the difficult part about beginning recovery and often why people go back to using. No one wants to feel mentally slow or anxious or sad. 
No one wants to see a beautiful sunset and think, ugh, I guess it's all right. Ugh, I hope one day I'll be able to enjoy a sunset again. And here's the thing that sucks. You will grieve your drug of choice. It's normal and it's okay. Your drug of choice was like a relationship partner, loving and destructive. It was there for you when no one else was. And it wasn't all bad. I mean, it would punch you in the face four times a week, but then it would bring you flowers and tell you how much it loved you the other three days. And the truth is, we miss the flowers and the other three days of the week, even though we know that it would punch us in the face the other four. Our brain has a hard time letting go because it's like a Twizzler where the good and bad things are intertwined. Here's something helpful to remember. Even though the pleasure from the drug is gone, we remember the drug's effect or the envelope of $1,000. And so we keep trying to recreate it over and over again. Our brain stores cues and it pairs them with the high. This is why just seeing somebody smoking a joint or drinking can trigger a relapse. The same would happen to me if I saw a cake at a party. Remember, the brain is paired like a Twizzler. Cake equals pleasure. Cake equals dopamine reward. Cake equals $1,000. And at some point in the past, eating an entire cake used to feel really good. When I talk to the clients who have paired meth with sex, I tell them straight up, you will probably never have meth sex again. I hear it feels amazing, and the truth is that you may never have crazy high sex feeling again if you choose to be sober. It's okay to grieve that and to admit you're going to miss it because it was kind of fake, but you're still going to miss it. But here's the cool thing. Instead of the meth sex relationships you've had that were often unhealthy, unsafe, abusive, or whatever, the long list of things you can fill in the blank, you will get an opportunity to have great connected sex, real intimacy, to find a healthy partner that respects and loves you. You don't just give up things, even though it really feels like that at first. The more you recover, you realize that you get many things in return, and you begin to really like those healthier things. I tell them the hope that the brain, body, and spirit are resilient and that we are designed to heal. Scientists have discovered something called neuroplasticity, which means that the brain can rewire itself following damage. This means that the brain can heal. One girl raised her hand. So do we start to feel happy again? When do we get our dopamine back? This hit me in the heart because it was a daily thought of mine when I was terrified to give up my addiction. I wanted to know, will I ever be normal again? Will I ever be happy? Everyone is different, but there is hope. Depending on the damage you may have done, there are some things that may stay damaged. I tell her, it's like if you cut off your arm, you probably can't put that back on again. But let's just say you broke five bones in your body. It takes time, but they can heal. Every person's different, but studies show that it can take up to about six months to start feeling good again. Six months. And there are things that you can do to help, like exercise, meditation, gratitude lists, eat nourishing foods with terracine like avocados, almonds, or eggs. You can Google that. Sleep, listen to music, get a massage, take a walk for an hour and look out over the horizon, play with your pet, take a bath, journal, laugh. Addiction is like a Band-Aid. The problem is is that it's the only Band-Aid we have, so it takes time for us to figure out what's going to work instead of the one Band-Aid we were using every time we felt some type of way. 
And this is okay. It takes time. As you recover, keep in mind that it's harder to choose future rewards rather than immediate ones. For example, most of us would rather have $100 right now rather than $200 next month because we tend to choose the smaller reward that we can have right now or immediately rather than waiting for the larger future reward next time. In whatever drug of choice, addiction, we've gotten used to choosing the immediate reward. So it's a learning process in order to see our future differently. If we value our future and sobriety, it's a lot easier to have a bigger picture. It's like seeing the blueprint of a house instead of just being in the bathroom with the door shut. Make sure that you have a vision for your future that's who you want to be. Just that vision alone will help in recovery because it will help you to choose the future reward rather than just that little immediate gratification that we're used to. Part of addiction recovery is about rewiring the brain to a healthier place where there's relief and peace. It is possible, so be patient with yourself and your little brain as it recovers its dopamine and its health. Zocalante, and this is Throwing Up Rainbows. Stay tuned for the next episode where we're going to talk about shame, how it keeps us trapped in our addictive patterns, and one important thing we can do to be free from it. Till then. This episode was written and produced by me, Zocalante, with audio production by Kellen Bonham. Oh, 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 oh,